the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number two is underway at 9 past 10 o'clock. Thanks for joining us right here on AM 1420. The answer coming up in about 10 minutes, <clears throat> which means we're going to break a little early this segment. We're going to talk to a couple of gentlemen who are going to have a lot of very important information for you. We're going to talk to uh, Trevor Loudon and Bishop E.W. Jackson. Both are going to be the guest speakers at uh, Act for America's next meeting on Monday at 7 o'clock. It'll be an online meeting, easy for you to watch from the comfort of your kitchen, your easy chair, your barca lounger, whatever it is that you got, but make sure you become educated on the threat that the Democrats in the national government, well, not just national, I should be more accurate, local, state, and federal governments um, uh, pose of communism. Uh, quite frankly, Democrats at all levels of government are, inf- are being infiltrated by uh, socialists, Marxists, and outright communists. And their presentation, Stand Against Communism, is going to be one you want to see on Monday night. And that's why we're going to give them a little bit of a sneak preview, or give you a little bit of a sneak preview coming up here this morning. J.D. is calling us from Cleveland at the top of hour number two. Hi, J.D., go ahead. Hey, Bob. Just want to address yes, that issue on the insurance thing. Uh, well, number one, you and I both know whenever a bill is issued, it's always got some name, cutesy, feely good type of name or something like that that yeah. that says this is what the bill is all about. And then, of course, the bill is an average 350 pages long, stuffed with all kinds of pork. So just because someone says, no, I'm not going to vote for this, you know, it doesn't make them a bad person. Not that I'm for her. But number two, the most important point is I've sold life insurance for over 40 years, and the issue comes up from time to time. If what happens if somebody kills themselves after they they bought the life insurance? Well, it's been a law since the 1800s that after two years, the life insurance policy is in force for two years, it becomes incontestable. So it's been researched and over and over, and it's withstood the test of time. So if anyone wanted to buy 
a million dollar life insurance policy and then do themselves in with a uh, a vest, you know, or whatever. It, it, it's just it's contestable and it won't be paid. But after two years, they feel you know if you're that whacked out or whatever, to you know you, you're still going to get it. So. That's it. That's all I wanted to input. Well, but hold on, hold on. Let me let me tap into okay. your expertise here, since this is your wheelhouse. Um, it, it, I think that would be a little obvious as it pertains to the vest, the, you know, that kind of an eye blowing yourself up as a part of a ter- terrorist uh, uh, act. But the way I read that, and it was just a summary of it from a newspaper, uh, not um, I didn't read the actual um, uh, bill. But the way I read it, it's anybody who loses their life in the commission of a terrorist act, meaning they didn't try to kill themselves. Let's say they tried to kill someone else. They tried to blow someone else up. They tried to shoot at somebody, and they get killed in the process by someone else. Um, you know, police or, or security or, or whatever the care, just something goes awry, and they die accidentally. They weren't trying to kill themselves, but they were in the commission of a terrorist act. Uh, how, does, how would an insurance company see that? That would be still the contestability clause. Of course, if something is is really strange, they'll they'll send investigators out to find out if there was some kind of a setup. Uh, you know, of course, that the there's a big issue with that 9/11 building when it did go down. Someone bought the the owner bought insurance on it. That's yeah, totally different. Totally, totally different. Life insurance. Uh, that incontestability clause. I'll never forget when Freddie Prince. You remember him? Yeah, sure. And. Uh, he had a million dollar life insurance policy that he bought when he was real famous. And then, of course, uh, sadly, he committed suicide and his mother was named as the primary beneficiary. And the life insurance company uh, didn't pay because he bought it like six months before mm-hmm. he did himself in and they exercised that right of uh, that two year contestability. So it's withstood all kinds of stuff. But outside of that, if you're not the owner and a beneficiary, um, it, it really, the two-year thing would come in. I don't know, maybe they would investigate, but in many cases, insurance companies say, you know what, it's cheaper, cheaper for us just to pay the life insurance than it is to, to contest it and put all these legal bills out there. So wow. there's been all kinds of examples in it. It's, but that, that's withstood the test of time. Well, I'll tell you what, J.D., I'm glad you called. That's really great information. I like when experts uh, call me and give me the correct information on stuff that I'm only surmising and kind of guessing at uh, based on you know observation and, uh, and common sense uh, application. So I really appreciate that, J.D. Thank you. Uh, let me pivot to Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, but not her, rather the bane of her existence. Let me pivot to the worst nightmare that Alexandria Damasio-Cortez could ever hope to face in the form of a challenger for her congressional seat that takes away her most potent political weapon. A challenger that eliminates her ability to use her skin color and her ethnicity as a Latina, as a weapon against her political opponents. If you have not yet been introduced to Sherry Murray, allow me to introduce you to the next congressional representative from Alexandria Damasio Cortez's district in Westchester and the Bronx, New York. District 14 is largely Democratic territory. 
And Alexandria Damasio-Cortez won her election with 78% of the total votes, which were only about 11% of the actual uh, voting uh, population, the registered voters. Very small turnout. Nobody cared. She won. And now she is making her, her claim to fame as she continues to try to advance Green New Deals and continues to try to hurt um, uh, uh, President Trump and, and conservatives and uh, to, uh, to attack border guards and so on and so forth. And if you fire back at her in any way, shape, or form, you are a racist. You just don't want a woman of color representing District 14. You don't want a person of color in the Congress, Sherry Murray is an immigrant from Jamaica. She is a woman of color, and she has filed to run against Alexandria Damasio-Cortez in 2020. She is the fourth Republican to file the paperwork to run against Cortez, The New York Post reported that former police officer John Cummings, journalist Ruth Papazian, and building superintendent Miguel Hernandez also plan on running against uh, the freshman incumbent. But all four of them, uh, well, let me rephrase, the three of them not named Sherry Murray can't even come close to name recognition against her. Cummings and Hernandez have an online following of 11 and 48 people, respectively. Murray broke 66,000 followers on Twitter yesterday. She is the nightmare that Alexandria does not want to face. She is a woman of color and an immigrant. And when she condemns and criticizes AOC in debates and in campaign ads and so on and so forth, what's AOC going to say? She can't say this is racism. And in fact, if she criticizes Sherry Murray, we all get to say AOC's a racist. She's criticizing an immigrant and a woman of color. Sherry Murray, I don't know what all of her uh, platform will be, but I know this. She introduced herself to the world with this tweet. Just yesterday, there's a crisis in Queens, and it's called AOC. She isn't worried about us. She's worried about being famous. That's why I'm running for Congress. Join our movement to hashtag unite the fight. Already, I love me some Sherry Murray. How can that be? I'm a conservative Trump supporter. Aren't I supposed to be racist? How can I support this immigrant woman of color? The Democrats are going to be scratching their heads about that as she is taking her oath of office in January of 2021. We're back with Trevor Loudon and Bishop Jackson next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Ten twenty-two. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. All right. Let's just dive right into this. You know the story, right? You know what the Democrat Party has become on the national stage, and it looks like uh, the double tap did not work. If I can ask Marcy to reconnect with Bishop E. W. Jackson, please, because he just got dropped as I brought him and Trevor Loudon on the line. Look, we all continue to hear AOC. We hear Bernie Sanders, seventy percent top marginal tax rates, uh, Medicare for all, free college for everybody. Um, the elimination of the uh, of the um, uh, energy industry in the United States of America. We're going to implement only uh, renewable energy, and we're going to destroy American industry in the process. All of this, of course, sounds like what? 
socialism. It is, and it's worse than that. There is also then Marxism. Uh, and I want to try to bring both these gentlemen onto the line now. And once again, we have a problem here. I'm, drop, I'm trying to lock them both in. Can you guys please get Trevor Loudon back on the air now? Socialism, Marxism, and flat-out communism. And that's why Bishop E.W. Jackson and Trevor Loudon have combined to put, put together a presentation and a, an important movement called Stand Against Communism. Bishop E.W. Jackson, let's bring him onto the air first. Bishop, are you there, sir? I am here. Thanks for having me on. It is a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. You are a minister. You're a lawyer. You uh, were once a candidate for lieutenant governor and for the Senate out of Virginia. And now you are taking this message against communism to the people, along with your friend um, uh, Trevor Loudon. Do we have Trevor Loudon back on the line? Let's hope this does uh, not drop again as we try to connect the two of them. Uh, Trevor Loudon, can you hear me good, sir? Yes, I can, sir. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of a connection glitch, but we do have you on. Tell me, uh, uh, Bishop Jackson, since we had you on first, how did you come to be working with Trevor Loudon on this uh, very important uh, uh, presentation and message that you guys are uh, are sending called Stand Against Communism? Well, you know, several months ago, we started this effort to, to make Americans aware because we felt they weren't alarmed enough at the rise of socialism, which frankly, in our view, is communism. It is Marxism. It, you know, this, this notion of kind of, of trying to legitimize socialism as some sort of benign ideology to be nice to people and fair to people and create equality is a lie. It just it defies human history, and we wanted people to know that. And I happened to go to a Tea Party meeting in Virginia, because I'm part of the Tea Party, and I was going to a meeting to meet with some people. Trevor was there, and I was just absolutely Astounded at the level of research and detail that that Trevor had on this issue, and and I contacted Trevor and let him know what we were doing, and he let me know the things that he is doing, and we thought, you know, this is this is a perfect partnership, and uh, and Trevor has really been a tremendous help to us in understanding the depth of this problem, uh, because I thought I understood it, so I started talking to Trevor, and then I realized, oh well, my God, this is this is much much worse than we thought. And that's how Trevor and I came to work together on Stand Against Communism. I love this partnership. You guys come from very different places. Trevor obviously is a New Zealand native, and he's a best-selling author and political activist. And you, you, we've talked before, and you've talked to this crowd at Act for America before, Trevor. Um, but the bishop just mentioned uh, the kind of soft shoeing or soft selling, if you will, of socialism in the United States. Um, when, of course, the goal is to advance it to full-on communism. Can you speak to that and the difference between and and there really is none, but I'll let you tell us the story. Uh, socialism as we know socialism, as the Venezuelan style of socialism, and what Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Cortez and others call democratic socialism. Yeah, well, thanks very much. Um, you know, the difference between democratic socialism and full-blown communism is five to ten years. That's the difference. But, um, you know, both Bernie Sanders has been involved with the Communist Party USA, with the Cubans, with the Nicaraguan communists, uh, visited the Soviet Union, uh, and has worked with Democratic Socialists of America now for 30 years. Now, we need to understand that Democratic Socialists of America, despite its name, is actually more left-wing in many areas than is the Communist Party USA. They work in partnership with the Communist Party USA. 
they have an organisation called the Left Inside Outside Project, where um, they are formally allied with the Communist Party USA and the pro-Chinese, pro-North Korean Freedom Road Socialist Organisation. Do people say Bernie Sanders is honest? No, no, he's not. He is promoting full-on communism. He has worked with communists his entire life and still continues to do so. That's his agenda. You know, Ocasio-Cortez is also a member of that organisation, as is uh, Rashida Tlaib. Um, the, uh, we talk about the squad, you know, the four, the four yeah. Democrat women, Ilan Omar, Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, and um, Rashida, Rashida Tlaib. Right. Two of them are members of Democratic Socialists of America. Ayanna Presley is involved with Democratic Socialists of America and the Freedom Road Socialist Organization. And Ilan Omar is heavily involved with Democratic Socialists of America as well. And Lindsey Graham called these women communists the other day, and he was 100% right. They're as much communist as Fidel Castro or any of the communist leaders of the third world. Their policies are the same, and they're using the Democratic Party as a front to get power. They could never get elected uh, standing as the Marxists and communists that they are. They have to use the Democrats to do it. And to their shame, the Democrats are letting them do it. Trevor Loud and Bishop E.W. Jackson... Uh, 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 actually, Bishop Jackson, let me ask you to hold okay, on if I could here because we've got go our bottom of the hour news. So what I want to do is kind of tease everybody with what's to come here. We want to talk more okay. about what, what we, what we mean when we talk about the Communist Party in the USA, Revcom USA, the Revolutionary Communist Party, and what their goals are. Is it simply economic communism or are we talking about total government control and enslavement of the population type of communism that we have come to know throughout, uh, centuries of world history? So I want to talk more about that when we come back with Bishop Jackson and with Trevor Loudon, who are going to be interviewed as a part of the Act for America meeting in Cleveland on Monday by Jim Simpson, which means we're going to need to talk about the red-green axis, the unholy alliance of communism and Islamism. All of that coming up after the news on 1420 The Answer. Ten thirty-four. Thanks for joining us once again for the Bob Brands Authority. We're going to take you until eleven o'clock with my two guests, uh, fantastic guests who are teaming up um, on a mission to spread awareness and uh, to educate people about the threat of communist communism in the United States as it stands uh, uh, to grow under the leadership and the growing popularity of democratic socialists in the United States. Bernie Sanders, of course, has popularized that term. Uh, uh, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez has, uh, has followed up on it as well. There's a website you should check out. It's standamerica.us. Standamerica.us. That is the site put together by Trevor Loudon, who joins us once again, and Bishop E.W. Jackson. They are going to be presenting on Monday uh, about the stand against communism. So let me go back to uh, Bishop Jackson and, and just allow you to follow up on what you wanted to say before we had to take that break in response to Trevor, and then I'll come up with the next uh, topic. Go ahead, Bishop Jackson. Well, well, thank you, Bob. <clears throat> I was going to say that while I don't want to spend the time talking about these four women, I call them the four horsewomen of the Democrat apocalypse because they really do want an apocalypse in this country. They want to overthrow our Constitution. 
They want to overthrow a duly elected president. Uh, they're running around talking about America as a nation of white supremacy, a nation of social injustice, a nation that's exploited the world, a nation that's putting people in concentration camps. And that comes right out of the communist playbook. I mean, Antonio Gramsci and, and, and really even the Soviet Union uh, and other communists figured out that you can't have a violent revolution in America because too many people are upwardly mobile. Their lives keep getting better and better if they work hard and they do what they need to do in order to better their lives. So you've got to find other means to make them angry and bitter at our system. So you use race and you use gender and you use these other categories that they've come up with. So everybody's in a racist, everybody's an Islamophobe, everybody's a trans or a homophobe, and, and, and th- this is right out of the communist playbook. And these four women, in my view, no matter what we hear about some Democrats wanting to get away from them, I believe they are stalking horses to see just how far they can go and how much the country will accept. And, you know, the Communist Party USA, I've learned, did away with, with issuing uh, uh, membership cards after the Red Scare and said, well, you know, we don't want to have people have card-carrying communists, but what difference does it make if you're a heart-carrying communist? And I think that's what we've got and what we're facing now, which is why people are not as alarmed as they should be, because they don't realize this is now an ideology that's taken over the hearts of many of our people, and we've got to alarm people and let, let the American people know this stuff is just as dangerous as it was when the Soviet Union existed and communists were trying to infiltrate our government, infiltrate our country. In fact, it's more dangerous because it's done with a much greater degree of stealth even than they were using then. Bishop E.W. Jackson, a follow-up for you, and then I'll go back to Trevor, um, because you talk about race, uh, and you talk about the stoking of fear. Um, you know, I read out of the Communist Playbook, and you're obviously right. As a black man, I want you to speak to two things. One, the uh, accusation by these four horsewomen that you talk about, and I like your descriptor. descriptor I use the same one. Uh, their categorization or, uh, or characterization, rather, of President Trump and his supporters as racist because they are women of color and thus, beyond reproach, cannot be criticized unless you are a racist. racist. And then secondly, the anti-fascist approach that, that the communists take, trying to basically see anybody who is not with them, is for fascism and speak to the violent um revolution almost that is being started by antifa on american streets well first bob on this issue of accusing the president of being a racist because he said go back to where you came from i have said the same thing repeatedly long before this president was ever elected and you're right i am a black man i'm a black american because i think that if you hate this country that much if you if you like uh, ilhan omar come from a country that you had to escape from, and our country gave you asylum and gave you security and gave you peace and gave you the ability to prosper and to grow, and you've now been elected to Congress, and all you can say is hateful things about how bad America is and how you were lied to and you've been made to feel your otherness. If that's all you can do, why don't you go back to Somalia? I mean, I don't, that's not a racist thing to say. It's what you say to a perfect ingrate, and as far as the others who were born here... They ought to find some place that they think they can live in more peacefully and happily, like Castro's Cuba, like uh, like China's uh, a communist nation, like uh, Vietnam, or or some nation that they feel is sufficiently totalitarian that it suits 
their interests. So, no, it wasn't racist. The president, of course, he lumped them all together, and people jumped on that. But the sentiment remains the same. If you really hate our country, why in the world do you stay? And I've joined the president in inviting them to leave. So they can call me a racist if they want to, but it has nothing to do with skin color. It has to do with the attitude that you have toward a country that the rest of us love. Bishop, ja- Bishop, Bishop Jackson, yeah, let, let, yeah. Me, let, me pivot, let me pivot over and hand this off to your partner, Trevor, about, about Antifa, because um, I do want to hear from both of you, and we're going to hear a lot from both of you during this online presentation of Stand Against Communism on Monday night, which we'll remind people about once again. Trevor Loudon, um, Antifa uh, bills itself as the anti-fascist, obviously, and yet they practice, in my estimation, the most fascist, fascist tendencies uh, that we have, we have really seen in terms of protesters and activism in the United States of America. Um, are they working directly with the Communist Party in the United States, Revcom USA, or are they just kind of mirroring the same principles? Well, look, the the origins of Antifa, which means short for anti-fascist, was with the, the German Communist Party of the 1930s, and they were the military wing that were fighting Hitler's brown shirts. But strangely, when Hitler's brown shirts won, many of the Antifa crossed over and joined the, the fascists because there was so little difference between them. It was like two mafia gangs fighting each other for turf. But in America, Antifa is still like a franchise. Now, it depends, like, where Democratic Socialists of America is strong, a lot of the Antifa will be aligned with that group. Where the anarchist groups are strong, a lot of the Antifa will be aligned with, with, with the anarchists where the Revolutionary Communist Party is strong, there will be connections to, to that group. So there are probably, about 50, probably at least 50 American Communist Parties floating around now, and you will find Antifa in the local areas is almost always connected to one of those Communist Parties. But you will also find they're heavily connected to the Democratic Party. Some, some Democrats are very actively supporting Antifa, and you'll find that Antifa is strongest in the Democratic-controlled cities like Oakland, Portland, Oregon, um, Boston, Massachusetts, Charlottesville, Virginia, because there the local councils basically tell the police to leave Antifa alone and let them go out and beat up conservatives and patriots. So Antifa is is really the military wing of the Democratic Party in this country. And they Trevor, are being used to shut down free speech. And, and by the way, if you're an Antifa, as you said, everybody who doesn't agree with you is a fascist. So therefore, and the fascist, uh, it's quite okay to beat up a fascist. So they can beat up anybody that disagrees with them. And they and, think and that's okay. Not only are they being given the green light to do so uh, by local leadership, Democratic leadership primarily, they're being encouraged uh, by by the media. And I want you to speak to that yep. as a follow-up, Trevor. Um, I believe it was uh, Chris Cuomo on, on CNN after one of the Antifa attacks on an innocent uh, cameraman, I think it was, who said, it's okay to punch 
um, racist. It's okay. Not all pun. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Not all punches are equal. If you're punching somebody who's a racist or a fascist, it's okay. Essentially, green lighting and approving of the Antifa violence. That I, I guess I'm going to ask you directly: Are the media that are saying these kinds of things also working collaboratively with the communist parties in the United States, or are they just uh, uh, you know clickbaiting for one hundred percent, one hundred percent? You know, there was a, a revelation uh, in a few years ago. Uh, a, a group called Journo List was set up. About four hundred journalists from key, um, you know. Key Washington Post, New York Times, a whole bunch of media outlets were colluding amongst themselves to denigrate Sarah Palin and promote Barack Obama. And many of those people from top um, newspapers, etc., were affiliated with Democratic Socialists of America or other far-left groups. Now, those journalists are still there. But, you know, we, we, we know that 80% of American journalists self-identify as liberals, which is way, way, way out of whack with the proportion of the, you know, that's 30% of Americans identify as liberals, yet 80% of journalists do. So that tells you something right from the start, you know, just how much of a liberal, a leftist bias there is in our media. We're talking with Trevor Loudon and uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson, who are going to be the uh, co-presenters of a program called Stand Against Communism. It's going to be on Monday, and it's uh, going to be an online presentation, so you can watch it very easily from wherever you are. It's the next meeting, online meeting of ACT Cleveland, which is the Cleveland chapter of ACT for America. If you would like to watch this uh, and you have questions about this, uh, you can email info at actcleveland.org, info at actcleveland.org, and you'll find out how to watch this. Let me go back to you, Bishop Jackson, and talk about what is communism. For some people, it's simply an economic model differing from capitalism insofar as uh, government uh, apportioning out funds to the uh, to the populace and uh, essentially running all you know controlling the means and pr- means of production and so on and so forth. It's just a, simply a different economic model. To others, communism brings about you know historical um, uh, uh, recollections of abuse of locking people in gulags of essentially state-sponsored murder state-sponsored and state-controlled speech what kind of communism are we facing here in the united states the economic version or the full-on governmental control version well i i think it's ultimately all of the above but look from my perspective uh, communism really gets its power from controlling language and controlling information. Every police state, and and frankly, communism and fascism really operate exactly the same way because they're systems of totalitarian control. And, And what the left is doing in this country is slowly but surely taking totalitarian control over information and over language. And so, for example, just Antifa, they're the fascists. They're the ones who, A, are authoritarian and saying to people, this is the only way you're allowed to think, this is the only way you're allowed to to operate politically, and and anybody who's in disagreement with this, we're going to suppress you, we're going to stop you, we're going to oppose you, whether it's on a college campus or it's in any other public forum, we're going to shut you down. Well, that's communism, but it's also ultimately fascism when it gets the full control that it wants. And that's what we've got is once you've got that and the mainstream media 
Trevor is so absolutely right, and, and so are you, Bob. The mainstream media has now become the propaganda tool for these Marxist forces. And anytime you start distinguishing or saying, well, that kind of violence against that kind of person is okay. I mean, has anything different been said about communists when they begin to take over and say, well, it's okay to do to those forces that we're opposing what they may have once done to us. That's okay because we're on the side of justice and they were not. I mean, all of this stuff, and this is what Stan was founded for 10 years ago, was to uphold Judeo-Christian principles and values. You know, I, I know Trevor and I are in complete agreement on this, and, and Bob, I know you are too. We actually believe that people who don't agree with us have a right to be heard. I mean, that's, that's a foundational principle of American society and government because that's the essence of freedom. They don't believe that. Uh, the, the far left doesn't, the Democrat Party doesn't, Antifa doesn't, they believe that they should control who can be heard and who cannot. And once you get that under control, once you get that in tow, well, the economy and everything else tends to follow. So that's why I say we are in an existential battle for the future of this nation as a free society. Um, Trevor, um, I want to talk to you about how, or actually I want to listen to you about how deep this runs in the Democrat Party. We can say big names like Bernie Sanders, presidential candidate, and we can say the names of the four horsewomen that we discussed, uh, of the, uh, Democrat apocalypse. Um, but it's my understanding that you're going to present on state level and local level, precinct level Democrat politicians as well advancing the cause of communism. Um, can you explain that? Well, this goes all the way through, you know, like um, if you look at Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga County, um, Cleveland, Ohio, a lot of the politics there on the Democrat side is run by Rick Nagin, who is the head of the Communist Party of Ohio, and he's got several of his Alina Starks and others who are working closely with people like Senator Sherrod Brown. Um, so, you know... At the local level all over the country, the communists and the democratic socialists have penetrated the Democratic Party everywhere. Now, you've got to remember there's 60,000 DSA members in the country, and many of them are Democrats, and they serve in state committees, they serve on county commissions, they, uh, they run party machinery in local cities. So in Cleveland... Um, and in the rest of Ohio, you've got a very big communist concentration in the Democratic Party. But this is what I say. I say there's roughly a 100 members of the House of Representatives who are so enmeshed in neo-communism, Democratic Socialists of America, or supporting Cuba, North Korea, or Iran, that they couldn't pass a background check to drive a school bus. They couldn't pass a security background check to, for a low-level government job to work in the post office, yet they're running the Homeland Security Committee, the Armed Services Committee, even the Intelligence Committee. And the same in the Senate. About a fifth of your senators, including Sherrod Brown, are absolutely in the communist camp. And of the current Democrats running for president, at least 13 of them have Marxist backgrounds including Bernie Sanders, including Joe Biden, including Pete Buttigieg, including Kamala Harris. Wow. All of the top runners have Marxist backgrounds, as have many of the others. 
Gentlemen, gentlemen, if I may, Trevor, I apologize for the Democratic Party. I apologize for the intrusion, but if I break now, I'll have time to come back and ask you to try to marry the communist part of this with the Islamist part of this, as represented by at least two of the members of the four squad, if you will. So if you'll stick with me, we'll come back and wrap it up right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, I've got four and a half minutes left here to uh, talk with our guest Trevor Loudon and uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Go ahead and bring both of them up for me, Andrew, so that I can ask them one final question about this. Bishop Jackson, we'll go to you here first. The red-green axis, the marriage of communism, as we have discussed it for the last 40 minutes, to Islamism, as practiced by at least the two members of the squad that we talked about, Rashida Tlaib and uh, and Ilhan Omar. Can you uh, speak to that? Give us two minutes, and we'll give the other two to Trevor. Sure. Uh, given that the, um, that, that the obvious theologically conservative ideas of Islam, people may be surprised that somehow Islam and the radical left find common ground, but there is one commonality, totalitarianism. Look, Bob, there are only two ways of viewing life. One is that you view each individual as sacred and inherently free with inherent God-given rights. That's the way we as Americans view ourselves. And the other is to see people as slaves, uh, inherently part of a collective and with some overriding authority that has the right to dictate and control every aspect of life. That's what an Islamic caliphate does. That's what a communist dictatorship does. Uh, if they get their way, it'll be interesting to see how they fight out who is going to actually control everybody. But in the meantime, yes, they have found common ground. And, and there, there's another commonality in addition to totalitarianism, and that is hatred for America and our system and our way of life. And so the fact that these two have found common ground is another dangerous sign for the future of this country, and we've got to expose it. And let me just add one thing that Trevor and I and uh, Jerome Corsi and Nelson Velez and Alan West and Reverend Rafael Cruz are going to be touring various states. But if people want us to come to them, they should go to our website. You mentioned it, standamerica.us, because we're going to be going to we're in Virginia this month. We're going to be going to New Hampshire in September. We're going to be doing Iowa and a number of states around the country to inform people of what this threat is. Well, my hand is in the air. We want you to come to Ohio. I would absolutely love to have you here. Uh, that would be fantastic, especially with all of those people that you just named. I've talked to many of them, if not all of them, at one point or another. That would be great. Trevor Loudon, go ahead and finish it up for us, uh, the, uh, uh, the Islamist uh, marriage with communism. Well, look, you know, um, communists always use ethnic groups to divide, like Black Lives Matter, for instance, is a completely communist-controlled um, movement. Um, the Dakota Access Pipeline protest with the, with the Native Americans up in North Dakota was led partially by Judith LeBlanc of the Communist Party. Now, the communists have also used Islam. They were inside the Nation of Islam, and they are inside the modern Islamic movement, like Linda Sarsour, for instance the famous radical, is a member of Democratic Socialists of America. Um, so is Rashida Tlaib. You know, Nihad Awad, the leader of the Council on American-Islamic Relations, comes out of a pro-Soviet background. He was a communist before he was an Islamist. So 
it's it's a marriage and it's a manipulation. You know, many most union members would not understand that their unions are controlled by communists. Most feminists would not understand that the Women's March was led by communists. Most black, um, you know, students would not understand that Black Lives Matter is a completely communist organisation. And most wow. Muslims in America well, have no idea that their movement is being manipulated by Marxists. I am so glad to have both of you guys on to kind of just uh, scratch the surface of this and alert our listeners to this threat. And I'm going to advise them again to watch the online presentation of Act for America on Monday night, 7 p.m. You will see and hear from Trevor Loudon and Bishop E.W. Jackson, as well as Jim Simpson, who will kind of coordinate the whole thing about this growing threat of communism in the United States. You can view this by uh, emailing info at actcleveland.org. You'll get the link to watch the entire event. Gentlemen, thank Thank you so very much. Uh, thank you for your patriotism and thank you for your time this morning. Mike Gallagher is next. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the next Bob France Authority. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.